How are you doing, everybody? This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host, Mike Boyd. How you doing? I'm doing great. I couldn't complain. This is February 8th. 2020 Saturday afternoon and it's just beautiful weather this is like it's spring almost I can't believe how lucky we are this is not a winter no this is not winter at all but it's awesome you know it's gonna be screaming drought in like two months right nah yeah fuck no Fuck yeah. We, I don't think we've had rain since December. You know, I don't care when it is. I am so happy. It is beautiful outside. I was out. I took my dog. <clears throat> I'm terribly sorry. I just had a big old flim globber <laughs> come up from right out of my lung and just hit me right in the back of the throat. Uh, hopefully, uh, Mike will take that out. No. Edit it out. He's going to change his na- last name to Hunt, H-U-N-T. Yeah. I'll, I'll live with the last name change. That'll work. There it is. Later on, we'll have an interview with the guitar player from Good Riddance, a punk band out of Santa Cruz, California. And we will also be talking about a lot of other things as well. How was your last weekend? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, oh, man. That was brutal. <laughs> you know... I'm not going to make excuses. My team lost. The 49ers choked in the Super Bowl, and we lost to a better team that had more to fight for, a a superior quarterback, and some really good wide receivers that were just too much for us to take. We We had them on the ropes the whole game, let it get away from us, some questionable play calling. I don't, you know, I've heard all the stories. Everybody's making excuses about referee calls and rigged and all this stuff but it doesn't fucking matter i don't i don't think most of the calls were really that bad there was only one real call where i was just like what was that and that was that to me that was a questionable touchdown slash out of bounds call that was there doesn't matter they were close enough i mean that's the way it goes right you know it's yeah even without that dude the the numbers add up to a loss no and i was just yeah you know i was i I was at a party i went to i got invited to a party from uh, a couple friends and we were, I just remember sitting there with all these people there and there's all these kids and we're watching the Super Bowl halftime show. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why is this chick sticking her tongue out with a, it looks like a dildo, right? It's a straight dildo looking microphone. I don't know what it was. I was like, really, really? This is what ratings, bro. That's all it is. It's just ratings. Uh, trying to get edgy. I mean, you know, nothing's going to beat Janet Jackson. I'm sorry. I, Justin Timberlake. Well, that was I, the best. I don't like Janet Jackson. So I think this was better, but at the same time, it's just, we've seen it. It's not shocking. You didn't want to see Janet Jackson's pasty. No, I didn't want to. I never wanted to see Janet Jackson's pasty, but it's not shocking or anything like that. And if that's what they're going for, they're just, they're kind of fucking up. I don't know. I just, I can't get the image out of my head because I've just been seeing that meme of JLo bent over upside down with her face sticking out. And you could see like her straight, like just nasty anus through her outfit. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, I just, I've seen that meme all over the internet. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> this is so bad. It's it's hilarious. I'm sorry. It's funny. I can't help but laugh. I with their head all sticking. Yeah, because like, she's looking through her legs, bent over, and then you flip the the picture, and they stuck her face on the side of it. It just looks just hysterical. <laughs> I can't believe it. Why would people do that? Uh, it was easy. To, it was easy to poke fun of. I mean, the, you even had the like three second choreographed like twerk ass shake yeah it's 
It was uh, definitely questionable. They, you, if they wanted, if they wanted ratings and they wanted controversy, they, they, I guess they succeeded. Yeah, you know, and that's the game sucked. I mean, it was it was really exciting. Yeah, I don't the think game the was game great. sucked. I mean, it's the outcome for you. It sucked. sucked for me, but I mean, I, I loved it. But you know, being a hardcore fan, you want to win, and we were let down. And it is what it is. But I'll say, we got a young team. It's something to look forward to next year. We're not going to suck next year. I'm really excited about it, but at the same time, yes, it was very painful. This season was completely unexpected after going four and twelve last year. Nobody picked the Niners to get to the playoffs. No, 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 no. So you I were was, you were underdog. I think you were underdog in this. We were. Yeah. It was by a point and a half, but regardless, I mean, we, you know, nobody picked us to go to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. But I'll tell you one thing: at the beginning of the season, the first preseason game, I was on the field at Levi's. I looked up at the 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 championships the dates they have on the side of the stadium and i was like we need more of those i never thought we would go that year i was really excited i didn't make i'm not a really not at all every time i've made a prediction they never come true so i just didn't i refrained all year from making predictions and we got as far as we did i i can't complain really and you know what to tell you the truth being a hardcore old school niner fan niner fans are very spoiled they're very spoiled we've had a lot of success there's no reason to bitch or cry don't be a 40 whiner just enjoy what you had and what we saw. That's what I say. I honestly, I didn't expect you guys to lose. And my dad and I were talking right before the Super Bowl, and he was asking me who I was going for. And I actually was going for the 49ers. I didn't want Kansas City to win. I'm not, I'm impartial to them. I don't really care. Like I said in the last episode, it's more about like all the old rivalries for me and shit like that. Like I would have wanted to see you guys make it. I was a little bummed that fourth quarter. Watching that, it stung. Oh, I was just, and I, I wasn't emotionally vested in your win, obviously, because I'm a Cowboys fan. So I was, I'm actually okay with you losing. It I was didn't, painful. Yeah, and just 21 points in one quarter, dude. Dude, that, uh, that guy, Patrick Mahomes, and you know what? He was getting hit. He was getting rocked hard. Oh, your, your defense. They were smacking him around until as hard as they the could. until the fourth quarter. I don't think yeah. I'd ever seen him get smacked like that the whole season, and he still pulled through. You got to give it up to him. He had a great, unbelievable game against a far superior defense. Totally. And so I, I give it up to him. I'm like, dude. KC wins. They're the Super Bowl champs. They earned it. You cannot take it away from them. No, no, no. The, and the thing is, is to me, that was one of the more exciting Super Bowl games. Yeah, last year uh, sucked. It was like, what was this, a 13-3 and three Last and year's, shit, no, it like, was like 3-3 three and three the entire game. Yeah. It was boring. It was, it was like, this was... Fucking Rams. This was a real like fighting football team. Like, neither team... Both of them. Yeah, neither team was a bitch. Neither team yeah. acted like a bitch. Both teams wanted it. One just came out the victor. That's all it was. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a, a new series of commercials I thought were pretty decent compared to the last Super Bowl. Last Super Bowl's commercials were stupid. This year there was some okay ones. You know, I so I don't, I could give a fuck about what the content was in the commercials. Usually that like I know they're supposed to be funny. This that and the next thing. That's usually when I get up and go grab something to eat or I likewise yeah or I flip through my phone and like look at something way way more interesting than being advertised to I hate being advertised to actually the one thing I did notice because while I was doing that I would hear these songs in the fucking background and there's one for the stupid Lego show and they're using like salt and pepper in it 
that nice. Push It song. Yeah. But they like redid it so it sounded like all dramatic and shit like that. And then there was like a Beach Boys like good vibrations in a car commercial and shit like that. I'm like, what? Like, okay. why are you digging back to all these old ass songs? Like, what is this shit? Don't you have anything new? Well, I remember we were talking in our last episode. We were talking about uh, Gen X and before us is Boomers. Right. And then you got the the millennials and then after the millennials now you have the mesoic generation that's what it's called it's called the mesoic generation the fuck and like, what that like, is uh, like a it's yeah it's supposed to be where everything is just kind of pieced together yes yeah. from the prior ones that's and they're hoping something new will come out of that but obviously it's just a bunch of regurgitated stuff it never ended and, i mean i don't even need to get into movies being redone it's just now they're remaking remakes at this point it's ridiculous so but everything's a reboot then reboot whatever i mean what's the difference between a reboot and a remake i mean i understand they're trying to start it up again but as far as i'm concerned force awakens was definitely a reboot from a new hope well yeah it was it was practically the same movie right in a, at certain points like like the whole entire star killer base slash death star thing yeah but so that's what this is it's basically basically whatever bro you like those movies you're too. Nerd. you're a nerd geek i'll own it barney mr hunt um, Mike, Mike Hunt. So that's what it is. It's a just generation Mesoic. Right. That that's I guess. I mean I just heard Mesoic generation. It's not generation Mesoic. It's I don't know. It's just I and I heard that from some younger kids that were telling me this is our generation. I was like, Man, you guys are making the millennials look good. <laughs> yes, I well I hold on, time out. At least here's the thing that I would say about this. There's a positive. There could be a positive. They're doing their history. Yes. And that's cool. You should always do your history. You should always learn where shit fucking came from. Well, the history goes that the last time anything new came out was in the 80s, and that goes for horror movies, music, m- movies, no, everything. No, 90s had a lot of shit. That was new? I would I would say 90s was the last, the early 90s was the last new. I thought the 90s were just a regurgitation of the 70s with technology. It had it had it had a lot of 70s influence, but they still came up with their own new shit. In the 90s you had alternative and grunge. Grunge. You know, the last episode we were also you made a joke about the big four grunge and cuz there was a band Yeah, there's supposed to, to be some show happening. Is that really a thing? I thought you were just making that up. No, I don't know if it happened yet or not. I was at Ace of Spades. Is it real? I'm not shitting you. There's a big four of grunge. I think they're all cover bands. Oh, and they're doing. It's not like that. It's not like they oh, got. Gotcha, they gotcha. didn't get the surviving members of Nirvana to. Right. Yeah. Believe me. Because everybody's dead. Yeah. I don't think Dave Grohl is playing Ace of Spades. Right. Yeah. Although a lot of the lead singers are gone except for Eddie Vedder. You know, and that's he's still killing it, and that's good. It, but, isn't uh, Pearl Jam's the only one that doesn't have any deceased members? Um, not that I know of. Not that I know of. I'm, I, you, I'm not a really big fan. I don't hate them. I like a couple of their albums. No, they suck. Okay. I don't, you know, they're okay. Their first album was great. After that, it just felt like it was a. I was at a campfire in Colorado around a bunch of mountain men. Sorry. That's not inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> That's not inaccurate at all. Well, what do you think about Stone Temple Pilots? Oh, they're cool, man. Really? Yeah. What? what, what, what? We're here on the <sighs> What are you doing? Time, time, we're full tomorrow. You're surprisingly good at this. Well, I've only heard yeah. it like 5,000 times on the fucking radio. It's true. Dude, that band is just like embedded in my skull as but long as I've had a radio around me. They don't suck, though. 
No. They don't suck. I'm just not going to say anything. All right, fine. What about Alice in Chains? What about Soundgarden? What about Nirvana? Those bands are fucking beyond awesome. There's a reason why they're the big four. I mean, I don't even really put STD, 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 <laughs> huh? STP in the uh, big four category, but I, not that they're a bad band. You know, they're, they're obviously successful and huge. Their accolades go unmentioned, but Soundgarden and, and Allison Chains are my personal favorites. Those guys were musically talented as well as excellent songwriters. You cannot, I mean, you can pick a Soundgarden song out of a Song of Thousands because they were so unique. Allison Chains, which just had that perfect blend of metal and grunge. They had that really cool. I mean, the, both bands were really dark. They were very dark. And then you had Nirvana, which was I've always viewed as a punk rock band. They were slower than punk rock, but they still had that total vibe of fuck you. Really good songs, really catchy. Uh, the messages were just as depressing, but they had a really cool little flair that he did with them. And then, uh, you know, obviously, David Grohl went on to make Foo Fighters, which is really excellent. That band took off. I mean, I think they kind of just took off where Nirvana left, obviously, with passing with Kurt Cobain. And um, Nirvana led the charge to the 90s punk movement, which I thought was much needed in the wake of, you know, Metallica and Guns N' Roses hogging all the airwaves. And I think everybody was excited to have them brought something fresh i mean you had like you said you had all that metal stuff and then there's to a lot of people it was a brand new sound yeah total brand new sound but they brought in punk and it was really cool i i saw the whole punk wave come in um i remember seeing green day at the gilman street project in front of like probably 11 people that's including the uh staff and there were half the guys were playing basketball and Billy Joe's just looking at everybody, like laughing, going, what's the score, you know, in between the songs. And they were really good. They were very good. I remember that show like yesterday. The next time I saw them was at the Berkeley Square and it was sold out because they just got signed. And then after that, they were filling arenas. It was crazy. Yeah. And then Punk pretty much just took over the airways at that point. Yeah. Punk just came in. Uh, you had bands from the 80s coming back, roaring back in. Circle Jerks, Bad Religion were just coming back in. And you had Pennywise and... No effects, leading the charge. With Offspring, you had Rancid, and then you had uh, Fat Mike's record label, Fat Records, which had a myriad of good bands. You had No Use for a Name, Lagwagon, and my favorite band, Good Riddance, out of Santa Cruz. Which brings us to our interview. Here's Luke Pavich of Good Riddance. Hey, Luke, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Awesome. It's good to have you on the, the Jeff Salgado show. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Happy to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We've uh, wanted to touch base with you, see how your record went with uh, Thoughts and Prayers. Pretty sick album. Listen to the whole thing a couple times. It's awesome, dude. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I know we're kinda, Yeah, I know we're kind of late to the party with that one, but, uh, you know, we're just kind of feeling this out. This is our icebreaker. Uh, our second podcast. The first one, you know, I really talked up the 49ers and now i'm kind of regretting it as you know <laughs> i'm sorry to hear i'm sorry yeah and uh, who's your team yeah. again well i kind of been out of football for a while but um the last place i left off was uh, new orleans saints i kind of followed the tra trajectory of the uh old oakland raiders ken stabler cliff branch and uh, those guys that traded from oakland raiders and Went to Houston Oilers and then finally landed in, at the New Orleans Saints. So I must be uh, 
you must be pretty happy then with this weekend's outcome. Yeah, yeah, I am. You're right. Cause, uh, the 49ers um, pretty much snuffed out the Saints uh, so many times in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter, um, especially in the in the 1980s. Bobby Abair. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they uh, led to many depressing uh, Sunday afternoons for me, for sure. Yeah, in the last episode, I was talking about how you were standing there right next to me when we lost our Super Bowl against Baltimore. That was pretty painful. I'm glad you could have experienced that. Yeah. So, uh, did you guys do any touring last year? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, you know make a long story short uh good riddance was broken up from 2007 until 2012 right uh, we got back together so that's about eight years ago and since then we've been on average i'd say tour about two months out of the year nice you know we kind of do these two week stints just long enough to um get out there and uh you know, make it financially viable and not lose our jobs at home and not lose our families at home. Very cool. So we kind of, we're running the, the adult, the adult um, touring musician program. So you guys, you when, you guys when you guys uh, split up for a little bit, did you guys just get burnt out or? Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what it comes down to. You know, we, we, we pushed really hard in the nineties, especially, uh, we were touring about seven or eight months out of the year. And then when we weren't touring, we were writing and recording and just kind of had that cycle running like every, every two years, new record, and then just, and then do quite a bit of touring on that record and repeat. And we did that, uh, pretty consistently from 1995 till about 2002. And uh, then we got back together. I'm sorry. Then in 2002, we um, started slowing down a little bit. Uh, I, I went back to college. People started getting um, jobs, and we started um, slowing our pace down. And touring was a little bit more sporadic. And then, and then finally, uh, in 2007, we just kind of felt like the energy wasn't there, and it was time to quit while we were ahead, type of thing. And uh, we thought that was it. Like we didn't have any preconceived notions of just taking a break and and getting back together in the future. It was it was uh, we had reached a point where it was kind of like a bad marriage, and uh, we just needed some separation from each other. Broke up. I didn't pick up my guitar for like three years. Um, got busy with having kids getting the job hey can you guys hold on for a second sorry the pizza guy's at the door go ahead take your time all right sorry no problem <laughs> we can edit in and out so it's all good how are you i'm doing an interview right now yeah you want to say hi hey how's it going how's it going good just pizza. awesome <laughs> there you go and there's a, a, a three dollar off coupon there's money for a tip there too. <laughs> you're welcome you too what'd you get on your pizza Everybody wants uh, to know. Olives and pineapple. That's it? That's what my son likes, yeah. Awesome. No meat? No, I'm vegetarian. Hey, so congratulations. No, no meat for this guy. But you get cheese? Yeah, yeah, I'm not vegan, but uh, but yeah, no meat. For, I've been vegetarian for 
almost 30 years. I'm pretty food oh, stupid. I, I, I don't know what the difference is between vegan and vegetarian. I mean, you put a steak in front of me, I'm going to dive in it. Just, <laughs> you know? And I know there's different yeah. reasons why people are, but I, I really need to look into it. I, I'd like to lose some weight for sure. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely right ways and wrong ways to do everything. I know plenty of vegetarians and vegans who are overweight, but, um, yeah, everybody makes their own choices about their diet. You know, I got a lot of reasons you probably don't want to get into, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. uh, the, uh, so your last record, was that the first record you've had coming back or did you have one prior to that? No. Uh, so we got back together in 2012 and then we were really kind of, uh, um, gun shy about jumping right back into recording records and getting back into that whole program again. So we got back together and did some touring. Started off just with one show, one show turned into, you know, a couple shows, a couple shows turned into, hey, let's do two weeks in Europe. And the next thing you know, we were kind of like back to, back to doing it like how we had been doing it before we broke up. And we felt good about it. Um, the time, you know, the time apart, five years apart, uh, allowed us to grow up and, uh, and analyze a lot of the things that had caused this, uh, inner strife. And, uh, just when we got back together, we, we were a little, all a little gun shy, eased into it. And then by 2015, we were ready to do a record and we did uh, a record called peace in our time. So that was our first record back. Gotcha. And then, uh, and then, as you mentioned, Thoughts and Prayers is our most recent record that came out last summer. Yeah, they're really so. great recordings. Where did you uh, where did you record the last one at? Well, we recorded uh, at a studio in San Francisco that actually is no longer. It's called the Black. I'm sorry. It's called uh, it was called Motor Studios. Okay. And it's a studio that was owned by our record label owner uh fat mike from no effects on the studio the studio was nothing uh special what has made our uh recordings special i think is uh, that we have uh, an excellent producer and that is um this guy his name is bill stevenson oh, and wow. he's drummer for legendary from the descendants you know he used to play in black flag um all he's, he's i, I would uh, i would have to say i'm gonna interject and say he's probably the best punk rock drummer of all time <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's pretty outstanding and, uh, he's an outstanding drummer uh outstanding person uh yes and uh just one of the i would say top three people i've ever met in my life um, with musical talents like he is is unbelievable and and he has really made us sound our records sound probably better than you know we, we actually are he he brings a whole lot a lot of uh dynamics to the studio and puts in long hours uh puts in so much creativity and really helps us through the process and and then uh, his main he owns a recording studio out in colorado called the blasting room and uh, so what he would be doing we we recorded in san francisco so we could all keep working our jobs and and take shifts driving up to the city and recording and you know come back to work and take care of our family 
And so he flew out and he just hunkered down at the studio for, for three weeks while we recorded. And, uh, and then he would send files uh, for editing uh, back to the blasting room in Colorado. So he kind of have a, has a little bit of a team of people that work for him. So he's in the studio doing the tracking and uh, helping with the arrangements. And, and then uh, a lot of the editing is being done back in Colorado and the files are kind of being sent back and forth. That's extremely cool. And uh, didn't he play with uh, another band with Russ, your singer, Russ Rankin, um, Only Crime? Yeah, yeah, Bill did. Bill played drums. They did, I think, two records. Yeah, and that was when you guys were kind of down for a while, right? Yep, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I I remember downloading as soon as I saw it. I was like, wow. I mean, it was one of the first downloads on my phone because I was kind of late to the tech scene, you know? Like, (laughs) I got a cell phone. Like, I didn't get a cell phone until it was, like, 2010. But I remember getting that right away, and I was, like, blown away. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's still still out there playing. Uh, Descendants are, um, you know, probably... You know, they have a crazy story. I don't know if you've ever. I'm I'm sure that you're you're familiar with their story. Yes. But um, uh, you know, they're seeing more success at this stage in their career. They're all in their late fifties. Right. And uh, you know, all those decades of grinding it out on the road in the van, and uh, it's just fascinating to see that that now, as they're approaching sixty years old, that their band is is finally like seeing uh, quite a bit of success so right filmage great, great story yeah filmage yeah yep. i got that when i first saw it and i was like blown away it just took me back to that whole time and where they've come now and bill's issue with uh with you know his medical issues and stuff and it was just yeah. really mind-blowing on what he's been able to overcome it's amazing seriously i mean the guy the guy was was pretty much should have been dead and right uh, and he's got a huge uh, scar across the top of his head to prove it. Um, right. But yeah, no, thank God he's still around. And, uh, you know, when he, he had this massive, for people that don't know, he had basically a grapefruit sized tumor on his brain. Right. And uh, he didn't know he had it. And his health had just uh, deteriorated over the course of, I don't know, a couple of years. He just thought it was part of getting older. And uh, basically, a freak medical emergency happened unrelated to his brain tumor and uh and they discovered this tumor and and removed it and and uh he says that when he came out of that surgery that it was like all of this uh uh, in his head you know he had just thought it was part of getting older slowing down and not feeling good but he said that when that tumor uh was taken off his brain that uh basically life was totally restored and he felt like totally rejuvenated and ready to go again so wow great great story yeah very cool very heartfelt and awesome in every way and um so you know looking back at your your career which i think personally is pretty successful i mean considering i remember when you guys first started out we played shows with you back in the day yeah um those were the glory days they're wild crazy you were in a couple bands and speaking of that what are you in any other bands besides good riddance uh, kinda. Um, I was doing this other band that I started. There's a long story to this band too, but uh, I was in another band. I am in another band called Coercion. How's that going? And we're kind of uh, more of like a heavy rock band. Very cool. Um, kind of drawing upon bands like Caius, Velvet Revolver. Oh, that's awesome. 
um, kind of mid-tempo, heavier rock music and uh, pushed it pretty hard for the last couple years. Um, unfortunately, our bass player quit. Hint, hint, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> Let me check my our, schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now our bass player quit, uh, I don't know, about almost a year ago now. And I've been so busy uh, with good riddance and with work and raising, I have two kids, uh, that I just haven't uh, had the energy to go through the motions of trying to find a bass player and uh, get the band going. Not to say that it will never happen, but at this period in time, um, I'm just kind of focused on good riddance sure. and, and my home life. That's your legacy, for sure. I mean, I, I remember watching, I remember when you guys first got signed, you know, uh, it was back in the day, I think it was like 94, 95. Yep. And I was just, I was talking to Russ and I was just so happy for you guys. I mean, you guys really deserved it. And you guys were killing it back then. You were playing everywhere and everything you could. It was awesome. Yeah, we were trying, you know, just like your band. Uh, it, you know, as you know, it's like it was a rough deal. There, it was hard to find shows. You had to make a lot of phone calls. Yep. You got to do a lot of networking and pre-internet and, uh, <laughs> follow up. It's, it's it's very time consuming, and 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 if you're lucky, you know, you got put on a bill, and and we were doing that. We did a couple tours. Uh, we we had that book uh book your own fucking life oh yeah awesome. that maximum rock and roll put out that's we right did a couple tours by just calling people in that book and we did like a northwest and a southwest tour and you know when we got signed to fat everything changed it was uh I mean, basically we got signed to fat the same way that a lot of bands from that generation did and that is that we looked at records that we liked and we saw what record label they were on and they had an address on the record and we sent a demo tape with a little bio in the mail and that's what we did. So Fat Records had just started. Uh, we sent a cassette tape. Fat Mike actually like wrote us back a letter saying that he liked what we were doing and uh to keep in touch and uh and then inevitably what happened was i was on a tour i was roadieing for i was driving this band from san francisco called the white trash debutantes i remember them <laughs> they were the lead singer was a transvestite that's right that's awesome yeah, so it was wild and uh so i uh, jeff you probably know or remember todd kent Yes. He used to do shows in Santa Cruz. I so. just ran into him recently. It was kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I didn't even recognize him at first. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's wild. So he, you know, as you know, he, for a while, he was kind of like the guy right. here in Santa Cruz area that was the only one that was that was stepping up and, and trying to put on shows right. in different halls and whatnot. And anyhow, he got me that gig uh, driving the White Trash Debutantes. He was their manager. And we were on this Northwest tour, and we were in Vancouver, and the White Trash debut and, and No Effects was playing in Vancouver as well. That same day, they were playing this uh, this big uh, city festival with SNFU, and and then that night, the White Trash Debutants were playing a club show with um, 
the Cadillac Tramps. Right. And so I was at this show, and Todd came up to me. He's like, dude, I was just talking to Fat Mike. So I guess, so no effects guys were at the show. They came out to see the Cadillac Tramps play after they played that day. And uh, Todd Kent basically had struck up a conversation with Fat Mike and told me that Mike wanted to meet me. And, uh, and so inevitably I uh, met up with Mike there at the bar and, and he's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm ready to maybe do a seven inch with you guys and, uh, hit me up in about eight weeks. Cause he was about to go to Europe with no effects. Mm-hmm. And, and so he got back from that tour, called him up and, and I convinced him to do a, a full length record rather than just a seven inch. Awesome. And so that's kind of how it all started. And then getting back to doing shows, it was like once we were on Fat Records, the doors just kind of opened because we um, were were um, basically assigned some different booking agents. So so all of a sudden we had like real booking agents in the United States, Canada, and Europe, and we were getting offered to be like support a support band for all these different tours and and that's kind of how we we built our foundation as we spent like the first i'd say three or four years after our record came out just going out and being a, a support band for for the bigger fat records or epitaph record records bands type of thing that's very awesome. You guys did put out a seven inch though before that, right? I think I have it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put out a. We had found this uh, little indie, indie label out of Texas called Little Deputy Records. That's awesome. Then they put out a seven inch. It had four songs on it. Yeah, and, uh, that helped us a lot too. That I, helped us uh, make us seem more viable, I guess. Totally remember those days. They were great. And um, yeah. do you have any uh, big influences that you'd like to express or say hi to anybody? Big influences? Yeah, and your guitar um, playing. Who do you like the most? Doesn't matter oh, what kind of music, like, anything. Yeah, well, I mean, I I was prepared for like some questions on bands that we've toured with that we really liked, and yeah, I do that. Answer that question. Let's do uh, that. Like sick of it all. Yes. Sick of it all. They so sick. They are like no other band we've ever toured with. Why is that? Their music has just always been intense our live show is incredibly intense um to this day you know they're, they've got a couple years on us and they i mean they destroy i don't know the last time you saw them but they just like tear out the stage yeah i've seen them a couple times like even recently and they're just monsters every time they play yeah. the crowd goes yeah, nuts they really stand out as a band that works i mean they work so hard oh my they're God. Uh, super down to earth which is you know, a quality I really like, especially um, when you meet a band that's had a lot of success and has been been through the ringer. Right. And uh, you know, they you, you can still talk to them like, and they don't have any kind of pretentiousness about them. They got great personalities. They're fun, fun-loving guys, but serious about what they do. I remember a show I saw. Uh, they they played with Biohazard, and yeah. the crowd went nuts. And they got on the stage. Right, they were just on the stage while Sick of It All was playing, and then people were getting on those people off the drum off the drum riser. They were jumping off the drum riser onto the people that were on the stage and then falling <laughs> off into the crowd. And I was like, that's a lawsuit right there. Yeah, <laughs> but nowadays, it, for right. sure. Right, but it was uh, it was epic and amazing. And who else do you got on deck? 
Nice, Sean Stern. And, you know, they were a band that when I was a teenager, I had, I don't know, I think I'd borrowed some of youth, Russ, our singer Russ's, uh, he had a he had a very extensive uh, punk rock record collection, and uh, he used to let me borrow records, and I'd take them home and, and uh, make cassette tapes of them. So I had, you know, Youth Brigade cassette tapes when I was a teenager. And Sync with California. Again, yeah, and and another you know, again another band that's been around the block and uh, super nice guys, great sense of humor. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, respect respect their music and what they do. They you know the two guys, uh, Mark and Sean Stern, are the guys the brainchilds of the punk rock bowling music festival in Las Vegas. That's right. Didn't they have a record uh, label back in the day too? Yeah, BYO Records. Awesome. Uh, they, what they produced that uh, documentary, Another State of Mind, I believe. That's right. So, um, yeah, very involved in the music scene from, you know, when when there was no, zero money in it and um, and it was all passion. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. There's been uh, so many bands that we played with, but um, definitely Sick of It All stands out as as a, a band that not only I listened to as a teenager, but to this day I continue to listen to and and uh, the energy of their live show is like some is, is just something else. What's your uh, favorite sick of it all song? Scratch the surface. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I like locomotive. That one just makes me want to punch somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of their songs are good for that. It's right. good, uh, good weightlifting yeah. music for sure. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so, uh, is there uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe just kind of the future of Good Riddance. Yes, the future. Please and let us yeah, know what's going uh, on. You know, we're continuing to. I think our record came out in July of last year. We got another round of shows coming up here. Uh, we're in a little bit of a hiatus right now, but uh, we're going to be doing a run of shows on the East Coast in May. We're going to be going to Europe in June. Nice. And uh, playing some pretty cool places we've never been. We're going to go to uh, Finland and Norway. We've never been to those countries. Eastern Europe. And we're going to go Northern to Bratislava, another place we've never been. Where's that? I've never even heard of that place. Something something related to uh, Slo- Slovak area. Oh, so gotcha. Okay. Former Yugoslavia, kind sure. of that region, I guess. Right. Um, and uh, we're going to be playing this uh, festival called the Grass Pop Festival. Yeah, I've heard of that. Big metal festival. Rad. With, uh, we're playing the same day as Judas Priest. Sick. So that's pretty wild. Like, uh, it's been kind of the coolest thing about when our band got back together in 2012 is, is all of a sudden there's like all of these music festivals. Right. All over the world. Perfect timing. And, and we've just been able to play on some just wild shows um, that, you know, we're always like kind of the side stage band. You know, under the tent, like the little tent. Right. And then, like, the main band is, like, the Foo Fighters or something like that. Wow. it's pretty so, cool. So it's been just on a personal level, like, fun to, you know, we go play 
a little uh, a little tent for a couple thousand people, and then uh, which is rad, and then and then get to go and like sit side stage and watch the Foo Fighters play in front of a hundred thousand people. <laughs> that's, that's so <laughs> awesome, dude! Oh so just, wow! Like fun experiences like that. Um, you know, it's it's been. Uh, I, I just am so stoked that we got back together. Um, I would have never, you know, I never would have thought that that uh, in the last eight years we that we had been able to do a lot of the cool stuff that we we've, we've been able to do. And uh, so yeah, we got some tours coming up. Uh, I got I got a question for you. Um, sure. Uh, we were just okay in our prior episode. We were talking about punk rock, and we're also talking about metal. Have you ever been in a metal band? Well, yes, I have, Jeff. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I knew it was in there somewhere. <laughs> That's how I met you. I know. Uh, I'm just playing. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. Um, I was in a band called Rude Awakening. Yes. From about 1986, I want to say, until 1989, and that's oh, when I joined Good I didn't know you guys went back that far. That's rad. That was with Will, yeah. right? It was with Will. It started out with a different singer, but um, okay. Yeah, so 1986, I was 16 and uh, had a shed in my backyard. My parents let me soundproof, and uh, and then I had. Uh, do you remember Rick Barton? Mm, not offhand. So this is kind of where where it all began for me. Is I had a an, an older friend in high school. He was about three years older than me. And, uh, you know, back then, death metal, thrash metal was, was really underground. And uh, so I had this wild friend, older guy, that had this record collection, uh, Venom, Sodom, uh, Creator. Yes. He was like fully, he was fully in. Mm-hmm. And, and he drove. And so he was, like I say, he was a few years older than me, and uh, and he played drums. And so he kind of got me into that music. He used to drive me and my group of friends up to all the shows at the Stone or the Omni or wherever in the Bay Area. So you know, we'd see we'd see Slayer and Testament and Violence and all those awesome bands. Did you guys ever? That, yeah. Did you guys ever play with any of those bands? I can't. We, yeah. I thought, yeah, we played. Uh, I thought you guys. I think I saw you guys at the Stone with. Uh, I think it was Creator, right? Yeah. And Corner and Sadus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was Good awesome. Memory. That was a great show. That's 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 pretty much our claim to fame. That was like that was like our peak was uh, was that show. Uh, Creator and Corner. Creator was on the uh, Extreme Aggression tour. Yes. <laughs> which was, they were kind of peaking, and it was just it awesome. was such an awesome experience. Hell and, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that had that older friend. He played drums. He, he and I started Root Awakening. We brought other people into the band over time, and eventually we actually ended up kicking him out of the band because, uh-huh. uh, uh, well, I mean... He's my friend to this day, but right. um, he wasn't kind of able to keep up on the drums. Sure. And we... Uh, Progression, our right? Bass, especially our bass player at the time was really pushing, like, hey, if we want this band to get better, we need to find a drummer that's got some more chops. And 
So we replaced him and we went on for another, I don't know, year or so. And then it kind of all fell apart. But yeah, we played, uh, we played with Psychosomatic. <laughs> that was another claim to fame. Um, Great days. Yeah. So, you know, we played it like, like, like just as you did, we played a lot of the same shows here in Santa Cruz area, the vet halls and, uh, parties and um wherever wherever we could play very cool type of thing and uh yeah it was a great experience um it's been interesting for me because i kind of i kind of lost my ways with thrash metal sure i don't know i'd say in my 20s i we all did but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then i kind of pretty much uh transitioned almost to almost just to listen to punk like punk music and hardcore music right and uh, not so much thrash metal of course i got my my favorites um that have stuck with me forever but um uh it's interesting now at almost 50 years old i'm like asking people to clue me into uh to new thrash metal bands to check out because with this apple music now it's so easy to just check everything out it's awesome. And uh, I've just been downloading uh, all these old records that you know that I had grown up, and uh, it's been it's been fun, and it's been kind of taking me back in time, and uh, remembering just how how awesome some of those bands were and that were and how they still are. Like uh, I just, uh, for example, I just downloaded the newer the newish. Uh, Death Angel record and the newish Testament record. What'd you think of them? And uh, pretty, pretty cool, man. Like I haven't really listened to Testament for like almost thirty years. Right. And and so here they are, still like kicking ass, and uh, it's it's pretty inspiring. Death I Angel. Appreciate it. Death Angel got nominated for a Grammy. It's crazy. I heard about that. Isn't that wild. <laughs> Who won? Tool. Uh, <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. yeah. I was just kind of hoping for, you know, I just, I like to keep in the Bay Area in Northern California. I was kind of hoping they'd get one, but it's all good. Well, I mean, you you know how that all works with the Grammys. It's all just industry stuff. Yes. And right. It's just like, I mean, we will know, none of us will ever forget that Jethro Tull beat Metallica for best metal band. <laughs> you know, every time I brought up Death Angel and being a, you know, getting nominated for a Grammy, that is the one thing that everybody goes to automatically. It's hilarious. Because, yeah, we're all just like, really? Come on. <laughs> yeah. That was wild. It, it pretty much, that was probably, uh, I don't know, 19. 89 or so that's pretty much the last time i paid attention to the grammys i suppose well i mean you know how are you gonna beat that flute dude come on (laughs) the flutes the the flutes the shit yeah all right we're gonna wrap this up and we really appreciate you coming on luke yeah thanks for thinking of me jeff i appreciate it yeah i'm luke pabbage from good riddance thank you very much so, Mike, what's your favorite Good Riddance record? Comprehensive Guide to Modern Rebellion, 1996. It's the album that got me into Good Riddance. That's their second one, right? Second album. Good record. That's Fucking an awesome great record. great record. For sure. So, uh, we got a little bit of q and I made a post online. On, I think it was on Facebook. Uh, just asking some people. And uh, Mike's going to read off the questions and who it is. All right. We got Shauna St. Germain. Her question is, are you nicer in real life? Me? I'm very nice i try to be as nice as i can uh not just in real life but online as well um I, sometimes i i have a really 
sadistic sense of humor in the sense of I don't want to really offend anybody, but I like to uh, joke around a little bit. And I think people take it as me being not as compassionate as I can be. I'm very compassionate, extremely. I would like the audience to know I've never seen that side of Jeff. That's okay. It's there. Uh, sure. All right. Daniel Dodd. <laughs> Do you remember playing Docs with Stubb and JB Stranglehold? And, and... There being some sort of demolition of the green room. Yes, I do remember that show. Uh, that was in, I believe, 1999. Psychosomatic had already moved to Sacramento, but we were booked on that show. We went down there to play, and I remember it. Uh, it was a pretty good show. Um, the band JB Stranglehold is actually short for John Bonet Stranglehold. It's a really fucked up name. <laughs> and uh, but they were a great band. And uh, the drummer is actually from that band. Is our drummer, current drummer now, Toby Swove. And uh, it was a. Uh, it got voted in the Coast Weekly as um, worst band name of all time. And the Coast Weekly is a local <laughs> Monterey County. Um, newspaper it was so fucked up right but it was they were so good the singer uh, this guy named eight ball he ended up moving to austin texas and that was the end of that band but stub was a really good ska band that morphed into a band called the lost dry heavers and they moved to santa cruz and they were like a straight straightforward punk rock band they're sick as fuck and they just recently i think it was a couple years ago they had a reunion but uh, I, I know I know those guys pretty good, and I know where they hide. So hopefully they'll have another reunion because they're sick. The Lost Dry Heavers are fucking badass. You got me into that band, and they're fucking awesome. Yeah, they rip. And um, the green room, I I'd heard it got trashed. I heard the owner was furious about it and was pissed off. But I wasn't there. I, I wasn't. I didn't go backstage. I was just more worried about the gear. Uh, we did the show, and then I, I I bailed. But I remember hearing that the owner was livid. Or the manager or some whoever the venue guy was just really pissed off. I had nothing to do with it. I just heard about it. But yeah, I remember that show. Cool. Thank you, Daniel Dodd, for that question, by the way. <laughs> and last question comes from somebody I may know. Uh Michael Rodriguez. He might be the drummer for the bitters. Oh, nice. Yeah, no. Gear talk. Like your touring bass rig versus your recording setup. Um it's not much different. I uh, play out of an SWR 750X and a Sansamp rack mount. I don't have the pedal. I don't like pedals because uh, for our shows, they usually tend to, a lot of people get on the stage or beer gets everywhere. And I, I just try to keep my stuff simple. It's in the rack mount. I don't have to deal with it. It's already plugged in. And uh, really simple, nice fat tone, about 1,000 watts all together. And um, I play an Ibanez BTB four string. I am still very old. I only need four strings. That's all I need. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That's pretty much it. Cool. Well, that's it. Let's man. wrap this up. Okay. This is episode two down. And also, we ran out of time. We wanted to have Tim Wilson from Wolf King on this episode, but we'll have him on the next episode for sure. And uh, thank you all. Love you all. Stay tuned, and we'll have more for you. Peace. Peace.